You are listening to episode 57 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about what to do and how to stop eating when food just tastes so good. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. So this summer, we are digging into some of the most common excuses and justifications to eat when you're not hungry and to overeat or overconsume. So last week, we covered how to handle when we just want food in the moment. And this I just want it is often what gets us eating, even if we're not hungry. And so we can also look at it from the opposite spectrum of why do I keep overeating? And often it's thoughts like, it just tastes so good. And this is what keeps us eating, keeps us overeating, because we've all had the meals where they taste so good and we don't want to stop. We've all told ourselves this. And it feels very true because we've told ourselves this for a long time. We've put so much of the emphasis of our joy and pleasure and relaxation and comfort on food that this is where the primary source is. So of course, we're not going to want to stop when this is what feels pleasurable, enjoyable, when this is the primary source of those emotions. Then of course, we're not going to want to stop eating because we don't want those emotions to go away. So just like we can be emotionally eating to avoid certain emotions, and to avoid often negative emotions, we can also be emotionally eating to try to maintain positive emotions. We're having such a good time. This is so much fun. I don't want the night to end. So there can be positive reasons as to why we want to keep eating beyond the point of being satisfied. It's very normal. It's very common. And so often it seems like it runs under the surface. Like we don't know why. We don't understand it. We can't figure it out. When really it's always fueled by a thought. So every action has a thought and emotion that precedes it. So we're always going to be thinking and feeling something, and that's why we are going to continue eating. And a lot of times the thought is, well, just tastes so good. Because when we have the thought of this tastes so good, we have additional thoughts that follow it, like more is better. I want to keep eating. I want to have more of this because this is even better. And this just comes down to a misunderstanding about how desire works. So desire stems from your thoughts. We increase desire with our permission-giving thoughts. Things like, tastes so good, I don't want to stop, I can't stop, I can't control myself. All of these things can make it harder on ourselves than it needs to be. And so when I hear this, oh, the food, it just tastes so good, I just don't want to stop, that to me is often an indicator of diet trauma. In the past, if you ever on a diet, that meant that you didn't get to eat certain foods. There were strict rules about what or when or how much you could eat. And a lot of times we have to cut out food that tastes good. We have to cut out entire food groups. We have to cut out foods that you actually enjoy. If you didn't get to eat food that tasted good because you were on this diet, anytime a food that tastes good hits your lips, now we internalize it as this is bad, or this is counterproductive for weight loss, or this isn't going to help me hit my goals. But a lot of times it's more, it's like a simpler version of this is bad, and now I am being bad. And so often these are the foods that we're emotionally eating, but instead of recognizing the emotional attachment, we just want to blame the food. So we think the cookies are the problem, and so I'm going to just take the cookies away. We tried 
to just restrict the cookies and get them out of the house. We don't hang out with anybody who bakes cookies or eats cookies or has cookies. We steer very clear of them. Just don't make eye contact. We stay as far away as possible. We try to not be around them because we're trying to remove the trigger because everything is about the food. Okay, so when we blame the food as the problem and we don't understand and actually get to solve for the real thing, which is what we're thinking and feeling about the food. We, and this is how we create war with food is because we don't have a healthy relationship with it. We don't know how to have a little and to be satisfied and to know that we can have the desire for more and we can still say no from a loving place and have more than the next day. of like, no, I'm not going to eat any now. or I'm not going to eat any more now, but I'm going to save this for later. So often we think I can't eat the food that tastes good. I can't eat food that I enjoy because then I'm going to gain weight. But the reality is we are overeating out of fear of restriction. And then we're gaining weight because we're overeating because we're trying to restrict. And that's only leading to overeating and binging later. And this is why it feels scary to eat food that you enjoy or to eat food that tastes good is because it triggers that diet trauma because you're so used to restricting. We're so used to saying, no, that's bad. I can't have it. I shouldn't have it. And it really taps on that internal nervous system that is there to connect your brain and your body. So our bodies are very primal in the way that they operate, just like our brains, which means that it doesn't like a lot of restriction, specifically severe food restriction. Your body doesn't think things like, oh, we're just losing weight. That is not the, the natural response. Your body thinks, oh, no, there's a famine. Something has gone terribly wrong. Maybe there's a drought. Maybe there's a war. Shit's about to go down. Like, it's getting real. That is what your body thinks. And so when it's restricted like that, it creates memories in your nervous system and in your brain. And so we end up with a lot of conditioning around this idea and this concept of if food tastes good, it must be forbidden. It must be bad. I shouldn't be eating this. And then not only is the food bad, but now you are bad when you eat it. Because if the food is bad and now you're eating it, now you're bad. It's the whole like, oh, I was so bad last night and I had a chocolate brownie. Or I was so good and I said no to dessert. It's very common for us to moralize ourselves based off of what we're eating. But that's a very hard place to be in because you're never going to be able to create peace with food if food is always bad or if there's always some kind of food that is bad and you should not be eating and you are now bad when you eat it. Even if you have food allergies or food sensitivities, we still don't have to call food bad. You may not have a good physical response to it, but we still don't have to demonize and villainize that food. What's more empowering is for you to say, I'm choosing not to eat this food. I don't like how this food makes me feel. So I'm going to choose not to eat it. It's a very different place than I can't have it. I shouldn't have it. I'm bad if I eat it. No, we don't have to do that to ourselves. That is part of this war with food. That is what we want to work on breaking. Because war with food is just the way I've characterized diet trauma. To me, those two go hand in hand. If we're at war with food, we have some diet trauma we need to heal. The fundamental aspect is that we have food rules, and it's typically somebody else's food rules about what we should and shouldn't be eating. So we have a lot of diet rules that we've adopted as our own, and so often we are trying to adopt so many that contradict one another. And of course, everybody has science to back up their claims, right? We're not even going to get into that. <laughs> but what happens here is that when food tastes good, it activates that diet trauma, even though nothing has gone wrong. 
even though you're totally safe, even though everything is fine, there's not a famine, there's not a drought, like nothing has gone wrong, but there's a siren that's going off in your brain and it's like, danger, this food tastes good. This is really bad. The last time she did this, she stopped eating for weeks. We had to cut out all the carbs. She didn't eat sweets. She didn't get to do these things. We didn't sleep. But we were up at 6 a.m. exercising every day and we were exhausted and famished and we were hangry and tired and people didn't like hanging out with us. This is terrible. We end up eating faster to try to escape the panic that your body is sensing because it feels like, oh no, something bad is about to happen. And now that we have this panic, we're eating faster and then we're really not tuned into our body. We're not listening and paying attention to our thoughts. We're not listening to our bodies and truly allowing the physical sensations and tuning in with, oh, have I had enough? Because it also taps on this sense of if the food is bad and I'm bad for eating it, then let me just get it out of the way with now. Let me eat it all now so that way I'm not bad later. (laughs) Let me just overeat and overconsume and just be bad today That way I'm not bad all week. So we just want to understand that it's normal to have this, that we have this fear of restriction that's running in the background of our thoughts when it comes to food, body image, exercise. And that's okay. We we want to bring this up to the surface so that we can look at it, so that we can address it. Because when we have thoughts, oh, it tastes so good, it often leads to more thoughts about how you can't control yourself around food. So it's, I can't stop or I don't want to stop, or I can't control myself around this food. And then again, we go back to restricting because we think if I can't control myself around it, I just have to cut it out completely. And then if it's not here, it can't tempt me. So I'm fine. I'm okay. But I can't control myself. So I have to just stay away and avoid this food forever. And that's not what we want because the restriction is what leads to the overeating. It's what leads to the binging. It feels very hard to stop in those moments when your nervous system has been triggered and now internally your body is panicking because we haven't healed or improved the relationship with food. We still have strong views about what food is good or bad or off limits. So even if you are trying to change your thoughts about food or or change your relationship to food and all you have done is try to take the food away, You're taking away the food. You're now triggering your body. You're triggering your nervous system, but you don't have any new tools to cope and to handle it. So you're always going to revert back to what you've always done. We haven't trained ourselves in any new way. And that's the problem is we keep trying to do the same thing over and over again. So your brain and body are operating out of fear and food scarcity. It's a primal instinct now that's running the show. So we need to, one, we need to have patience with ourselves as we navigate this journey and remember that change comes from practice and we just have a lot of practice operating from a certain sense of fear and scarcity and shame around food and it's going to take some new practice of creating new patterns and new habits, not just with our actions, but with our thoughts and with our emotions. We can also have food scarcity and diet trauma from the idea and the thoughts about food not being here tomorrow. So this idea, well, if it tastes really good, then it may not be here later. Well, I better get it while I can. A lot of times we can have this fear of missing out when it comes to food of like, it tastes so good. It's so delicious. You want to eat it. You don't want to miss out. And so we can have this fear of missing out that can lead us to want to eat food. But we also have the same fear of missing out that keeps us eating because now we're afraid like, if I don't get it now, 
now while it's here, I'm not going to have any tomorrow. Somebody's going to eat it. Somebody's going to eat it later on tonight. Tomorrow, it's still not going to be available. So we can have scarcity around whether it's here or not. We can have scarcity if certain foods weren't allowed or available as kids in terms of what we could or couldn't have. If there were a lot of rules about what we should or shouldn't be eating, there could be a lot of scarcity if you didn't go out to eat often. So then, oh, if you go out to eat, well, then it's a real treat. But now you want to clean your plate and eat as much as you can and all the pleasures in the food instead of in the company. Depending on how we're raised, we can grow up with some of these thoughts and some of that mentality. And sometimes it does come from money scarcity around not having a lot of money and living paycheck to paycheck and not knowing when the next meal was going to come or maybe eating rice or pasta or something for a couple of days because you needed to wait to go grocery shopping until the next paycheck come in or your parents had to wait. So when we learn and internalize this, either as a child or as an adult, we can pick this up and our scarcity around money can translate into scarcity around food. And a lot of times our parents or grandparents people that we love who have been caregivers and had a big impact in our lives have genuinely gone through scarce hard times. They've gone through war. They've gone through famine. They've gone through depressions. They've gone through economic hardship. They've gone through these times when there wasn't a lot. And so some of their food ideas and even food pushing has come out of that. The whole idea of clean your plate. Clean your plate because we don't know when the next meal is coming. So you better get it while you've got it. While the food is here, you better eat because you don't know when you're going to eat next. And that comes from a lot of scarcity. So whether you grew up that way or you just had those thoughts that were passed down to you from parents or grandparents, we just want to recognize that those are all optional. So our thoughts are always going to be optional. They're ours to decide what we want to do with. Just like when food tastes so good, we just don't want that to be the end of the conversation. It's not a problem that food tastes good. It doesn't have to be the issue it's actually really important that we learn to eat foods that we enjoy. We look, eat the foods that taste good. That's an important piece of losing weight and being able to keep it off for life. That's an important piece of really healing the diet trauma and ending the war with food. But we want to create safety around that. We want to create a sense of control around any food, even if it tastes good. So peace and ease around food are going to come from how you're thinking about it. And the more that you tell yourself, I can't control myself, it's just so hard to stop, you are going to make it harder on yourself to stop. You are not going to create that sense of control that you really want. So in order to solve this, in order to break this cycle, we first, number one, have to plan and eat our food intentionally. We're going to plan it. We're going to eat it eyes wide open. We're not doing this behind our own back. Just because it tastes good doesn't mean that you don't get to have it often. I think that so often what happens is we think, oh, this tastes so good. I only get it once a month or I only get it once a year. <laughs> it's like we don't get it as often as we want. And we have to remind ourselves that just because it tastes good doesn't mean that we can't have it more frequently and more often. So we want to start to plan food and be intentional with what are the foods that we actually like? What are the foods that we don't like? And really giving ourselves permission to stop eating foods that we don't like. <laughs> it is okay. I don't like eggplant. That's the one. If somebody told me that you know, if you ate eggplant every single day that you would increase your lifespan by 20 years, I might be inclined to eat a little more eggplant. But if not, if it's just, oh, yeah, it's a pretty good vegetable for you. It's healthy. It's got some fiber in it. I'd be like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to go find my fiber elsewhere. I'm not going to spend my time eating food that I don't really enjoy. I'm going to focus on what foods do I actually like. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to stop making myself bad or wrong for doing so. 
This comes up for me often in phases. So I'll go through times when I I really enjoy a particular food. So I really enjoy these loaded French fries or I really enjoy a particular restaurant and how they do Brussels sprouts. Or there's another place that's near us that has this soft pretzel with different mustards and cheese sauce and, and all these good things. And we'll go through times where, yeah, I want that every single week. And then it'll switch. I'll go a couple of months and then we'll switch. But that's the whole reason why I can stop even though it tastes so good, is because I know the more that I save now, the more I can take home with me later. I have to continue this conversation. I don't just stop with, oh, it tastes so good. I don't want to stop. I have to continue the conversation and look at what else is true. So the more I save today, the more I get to enjoy tomorrow. Or I'm so lucky I get to plan this and I can eat it as much as I want. I can go back here tomorrow and get the same food if I want. (laughs) I can plan this every single week. I can come back next week and do the exact same thing. So we just want to continue and show how it's not scarce. It's not that we have to eat it now or forever hold our peace or forever miss out on this amazing experience. We want to enjoy it, but we also don't have to scarf it down as if it's never going to be available ever again. A lot of times we have thought errors around what we can and can't eat or stories about if you can't handle eating certain foods or you can't trust yourself around certain food. And so we take it away. And instead of thinking things like I can practice eating the foods I love or I'm going to learn how to eat this and stop at enough or stop at one serving, we want to just look at what else is there and possible because we can experience discomfort on both spectrums. You can be learning to trust yourself and learning to eat it and enjoy it and stop even when it tastes good, even when you want more. We can experience the discomfort of sitting in that desire of wanting more and telling ourselves no. Or we can sit in the discomfort of overeating and regretting it and beating ourselves up later. So we put food out of our sight. We make it not possible. We restrict it. And then we say, no, I can't. And we just shame and belittle ourselves into trying to follow these rules. But we want to take ownership around what we actually put in our mouth because the food just does not go and fly into your mouth. Nobody sits on you and force feeds you (laughs) Pop-Tarts and cookies and crackers. So we really want to be mindful that it's not somebody else's responsibility to not buy certain food or to keep certain food away from you. We do not make other people responsible for what we put in our mouths. We cannot delegate that to other people. So we want to look at where our growth and our opportunity is in terms of creating a a better relationship to food, a better relationship with yourself. This is important for us in moving forward and creating that healthy lifestyle and creating a place where we can take or leave the food, where we don't have to go running screaming out of the room just because it's there, that we can sit at a table at Thanksgiving and there's food on it and we don't have to divert our eyes. We want to be at a place where we can see the food and don't feel anxious around it. We don't feel like we struggle or we have to try to control ourselves in some way. We want to practice saying no from a place of self-love. We want to practice feeling the discomfort and choosing which discomfort we want to sit with Because again, we can sit in discomfort either way, but which way is going to get you closer to your goals? Where are you learning what is enough? Where are you learning how to listen to your body's true cues and your true hunger and satiety signals? How can you improve your relationships with other people by not delegating your actions to them and not making somebody else responsible for what you put in your mouth? 
because we can't just cut out the food and expect for our relationship to change if we haven't actually changed how we're thinking and feeling about it. I remember there was a time when I felt like I couldn't buy peanut butter because I would eat it by the spoonful out of the jar (laughs) most nights, if not every night. And so for a time, I just wouldn't buy peanut butter and I'd think, I just can't have it. And then I would reintroduce it and then I would do the same exact thing because just taking the peanut butter away, just taking that stimulus away wasn't changing how I was thinking about it. It wasn't changing how I was feeling. It wasn't changing the act of emotional eating. I would just emotionally eat something else and I wouldn't actually solve for what was underneath the surface. So the way that we want to create peace with food is we want to learn how to enjoy it. We want to really recognize what are our cravings and then our food urges. When we break the diet rules, when we get rid of all of these rules about what we can and can't eat, and we start to look at what does my body need? How do I fuel my body best? How do I eat foods that I enjoy? How do I learn how to say no from a place of self-love? This is how we start to create a healthy relationship with food. And this is what allows us to then decrease cravings. Because cravings are coming up because you are restricting. You're taking away certain foods. So we want to start to change that. Little by little, we are going to start to make small, simple changes. But we're going to allow all the foods. Now, there's not a specific ratio of foods or macronutrients that everybody needs. It's not like this formula. Everybody's body is going to be a bit different. Some people are going to need more protein. Some people are going to need more carbs. Some people might like more vegetables. Some people might want more fat. It just depends on you and your own body. So we really want to tune in and listen to that and let go of these other rules because that's what's going to decrease the cravings when we allow the carbs, we allow some sugar, and we learn how to eat a little bit and feel satisfied. We learn how to be intentional with our eating instead of just eating out of habit or eating on autopilot or mindlessly snacking. That's what we really want to be solving for. It's not that the chips taste so good. It's that we're just mindlessly eating them on the couch as a way to relax at the end of the day. That's what we want to go to work on. And just taking away the food, now the only thing we're doing now is taking away the thing that makes us feel good. So we're never going to want to do it. It's always going to feel hard to stop. It's always going to feel hard to say no. And so we always want to be looking at How else are you going to end this sentence? Don't end the sentence with, this just tastes so good. I'm just going to keep eating. You can have the thought, this just tastes so good. But now let's finish the sentence with something else. Something like, I'm so glad I get to learn how to lose weight and eat the foods that I love. I'm so glad that I can plan this and eat this tomorrow. I'm so glad that I can save this and enjoy it later on this week. I'm so glad I have enough left over for a whole nother meal. Right? So we just want to continue the conversation. Don't let it stop there with it just tastes so good. Yes, it tastes good. And we want to get in the habit of eating foods that we like, foods that taste good, especially if it has been restricted in the past and you weren't supposed to have it and it was bad or off limits. We have to start to learn how to eat it. Whether you're doing this at home, you can do it with other people around, but you're going to have a very clear focus on I'm going to learn how to eat this and really pay attention to my hunger cues. I really pay attention to when I've had enough. There's different tools and tips and tricks that I give clients that are going to help them to make this easy and bring their awareness level up. Things like putting your spoon down in between bites or eating half and then waiting 10 or 15 minutes before going back to continue eating. It looks like you're leaving two or three bites behind at each meal. There's a variety of different ways that we can start to really pay attention to, have I had enough? Is this time to put it down? Can I stop eating now? We have to create safety around that food to stop and trust that we can have it later. 
I think that's the biggest key here is that so often we don't want to stop eating when food tastes good is because we're unsure or we're afraid we're not going to get it for a long time. We're afraid that food is just going to get taken away, that we've been bad, we're eating the bad food, we shouldn't be, so we probably shouldn't have this for a long time, and we're not going to want to stop because, well, it just tastes so good. And also recognize that it is lighting up the dopamine receptors, all food. Not just sugar, but all food is going to light up dopamine receptors in your brain. This is how we have stayed alive as a species because food tastes good. It creates those chemical responses in your brain and in your body. So of course food is going to taste good. Of course food is going to make you feel better. We can recognize this and understand that it doesn't have to be the primary source of your joy or of your pleasure that day. When the primary source is food, then it's always going to feel like a struggle to stop eating even when it tastes so good. Instead, we can eat food that tastes good, but we put our focus and our emphasis on how do we create a life that lights you up now? How do you create a life that you love, a life where you are full of purpose and passion and you're living in relationship with other people that you love and respect and admire and who love and respect you back? This means we really take stock of your entire life. It's not just about the food. The food is just one piece. The food is going to be one area that we look at, but we really want to look at how do I create more joy or adventure or more excitement in my life as a whole? How do I create more fun on a regular basis and not looking for the fun to be your food? That's what we really want to focus on. This is how we end the war with food. This is how we can lose weight eating the foods that we love is we've got to heal this internal game. We've got to really understand our thoughts and feelings and everything that we've been taught around food and it being good or bad or off limits and really healing our diet trauma. That's something that is not discussed enough in the diet and weight loss space. And yet that is really what's holding so many of us back. This is how we feel in control around food. This is how we feel at ease with food, right? This is how I can have ice cream in the freezer for weeks on end. And it's okay there. I don't have to eat it all. This is how I can have peanut butter for months at a time in the pantry and I'm not eating it with a spoon is because I've changed my relationship to it. It's how I can have mixed nuts around and not feel like I'm just going to binge and eat the entire like Costco-sized tub of them. We, we take it one step at a time. And we just start by changing the conversation. So there's a whole process that I work with clients around on how do we really heal this? How do we go through these different steps to changing our relationship with food? Step one is to notice what it is that's going on. What is it that you're thinking? What's happening here? We can normalize it and just recognize, yep, I've been doing this for a long time. It's been years. It's been decades. Of course, this is normal that this is happening. It's normal that I'm going to have this thought. But we don't want that to be the end of the conversation. What else is also true? And the rest of that is what, and then the rest of the process is what I teach clients. So if that is something that you would like help with, if this is something that you want to truly solve and work on so that you can go into the fall, go into the holidays and feel really good about your relationship with all the food, with all the wine, with all the treats and sweets and all the Halloween candy and the pie and the cookies, and you just want to feel at ease around it. You want to feel comfortable and confident in your ability to say yes and to say no then I would love to help. So you can schedule a free consultation at www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. Find a day and time that works for you. And we'll spend an hour really just diving into where you are now, where you'd like to be in six to 12 months. Where would you like to be at the start of next year? And then I'll help you create a roadmap to get there. 
because it can be so much easier than we think. The problem is that we just, we keep focusing on the wrong issue. We keep making the problem the food when really food is not the problem. Food is never the problem. It's always our thoughts and our emotions around it. It's our emotional eating. It's our thoughts about food and what's good or bad. It's all the diet rules we think we have to follow. It's how we think we're not good enough unless our body size or shape is a certain way. This is what we truly need to be solving for. This is how we create the life and body that you crave. If that is something that you would like to create and you would like to achieve this year, and not just for this year, but all future years, I think that's the best gift that I have ever given someone is not just helping them change it for one holiday season, not just one period of life, but learning how to change this for the rest of their life year after year. No matter what holiday it is, no matter where they're traveling, no matter what's going on, they can feel at peace and in control around food. And they know how to identify. They know how to assess. They know how to look for the challenges. They know how to talk to themselves better. And they can not just lose the weight, but they can maintain it. And that is the key because nobody wants to spend their entire life gaining and losing the same 30, 40, 50 pounds over and over again. That sounds like a nightmare. Let's drop that and really step into this life that we truly crave long term. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.